Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good morning and welcome to Ayers on the Road with Richard and Linda Ayer. I'm Richard, by the way, and you must be Linda. I am Linda, and it might not be morning here when you're listening to this because they rebroadcast this, but we are so happy to be on the road for a really um, pretty much one of our last times this summer. We're up at Bear Lake. Um, we're Boy, enjoying- do we love this lake, Linda. We really love this lake. Any of you who have never spent time at Bear Lake, you should repent. We should get up here. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's been this lake. We haven't been here all week. But when we left last week, the lake was full of smoke. And when we got back yesterday, it was full of smoke. There's been fires this summer. I guess oh, it's been so dry. Last night, we had that thunderstorm to remember. We had... A thunderstorm for the ages. I kept you awake. I loved it. I love to sleep when it's raining and there's a little rumbling going on outside and you hear that rain coming down and you <laughs> I, see those flashes of lightning. Yeah, it was a crazy storm, but you know, you love those that white noise stuff and so do all of our kids and grandkids. I do not like white noise. Well, well no, I like the ocean waves crashing white noise that's my favorite you should know that he lays cuddled up with his phone so he can hear the the waves (laughs) and have white noise because it keeps me awake but uh anyway it's beautiful it's a beautiful day beautiful week and our summer's kind of winding down here you know we love the privilege of every week or so talking about parenting about families and Maybe sharing some ideas, not always our ideas, often other ideas we've heard from people. And we love doing it on the radio. We mentioned last week that the great thing about radio is you don't have to dress up. It's a good thing. I had a sweatshirt on that was too small for me today. (laughs) It was my sweatshirt that I bought 20 years ago. He looked like he was in a body cast. (laughs) And we can even have a little uh, breakfast sometime while we're doing the show. We've got some Bear Lake raspberries sitting here in front of us. That's another thing about Bear Lake. No one can grow raspberries like these. Absolutely. It is a great place. I'm proud to be from here. And um, we actually have a lot on our minds today because we're going to go through a lot of different ideas, phases, goals for different times in our lives. In fact, Linda, instead of instead of sort of easing into the topic like we often do, let's jump right into it today. And let me just outline what we mean by the title of today's shows, show, which is Roles and Goals. What we think is that, uh, and we just invite you to consider this. This is not the gospel. This is not true and perfect for everyone. But we feel like if parents sort of have a goal in mind for their children at each age, at each sort of general age, they, they become more proactive as parents. Too often parenting is a defensive proposition where we're saying, well, I just hope when a problem comes up, I can solve it. We just kind of go from day to day a little bit on the defense. And the offense is always funner than the defense. And offense implies we have certain goals. So let me do a quick outline here. We we suggest, and again, this is just something for you to consider and think about. You may have a better idea that works better with your kids. But we suggest that when you have preschoolers, the, the main goal should be to teach them joy, 
to underscore the joy they already feel, to help them have a happy childhood, a real childhood, free from some of the stresses and strains that they'll have once they start school. So think of, think of it this way. Preschoolers, the goal is teach them joy. Elementary age kids, the goal is to teach them responsibility. These are the years where they have to learn to become responsible, to, to be able to be in charge of their own things, to be able to be self-starters and motivated. And we think responsibility is the best umbrella word for that. Then when they're adolescents and teenagers, we kind of feel like the goal ought to be to teach them sensitivity or empathy or to get outside of themselves and notice other kids, other people. Often with teens and adolescents, the biggest problem is everything's a mirror to them. They see everything as it reflects on them. And if parents can teach them to see through a window instead and to be aware of other people, then that's better. And then just real quickly, Linda, once they're gone, once the kids are gone and you're an empty nester, and you become a grandparent. We're going to talk a little about grandparenting today because we're both working on books. I'm working on a book for grandmas and you're working on one for grandpas. No, just kidding. Just the opposite. But, but again, we think there's sort of three phases. When, when you have little small grandkids, we think you should just be their buddy. Just, just be a buddy to them. When they're a little older, be their champion. Be the one that supports them in everything and really helps them. And then as they get to be teenagers, be their consultant. Be the one that can advise them and be their mentor. So there's sort of a quick outline of what we're going to talk about today. Which tells you that I've been living with a goal-oriented person my whole life. <laughs> Actually, <clears throat> I, I do goals a little differently, but I do. We have developed this little plan together, and it seemed to work. Work not always perfectly, but I, you know, as you were t going through that, I was thinking. Now we have grandchildren who are at each of those ages and um it really is fun i mean actually we've had them all over us this summer for a long time and uh our last family is still with us family with six little kids and they're just getting ready to move into their own home on monday many of you may have experienced both the move either the move or having them with you in your home and it's been so fun. Actually, I think it's been so great to see what goes on inside the innards of a family. Um, this last family that's left, their oldest is 11, and their baby is nine months. And uh, there's everything in between and every personality in between. And you can kind of see that, you know, some are fiery, several are fiery personalities. Where did they get that? They have a three-year-old that is just unbelievable in her determination to get what she wants. And it just, it, it's a throwback to when we used to have kids that age. Wow. Our, our terrible twos went right on through the, the terrible threes. And, um, it really is, uh, an interesting thing. And yet the sweetest, dearest children, I mean, they really are, they're well-behaved and so on, but they are who they are and then dealing with them as a parent and a grandparent is not only kind of fun to watch but but really important well and it underscores what we're saying because this is our son noah and his wife christy moving here from um, orange county in california and, and relocating in utah by the way hip hip hooray 
we're getting a few more grandkids living close to us. One, one reason this show is called Ours on the Road is because all our kids live so far away, and we're not only traveling around giving speeches and doing our thing with, with parenting groups and so on, we're also running around, flying around, trying to get to kids who live in Hawaii and in Zurich, Switzerland, and in London, England, and in Boston, and in New York City, and so on. And we're finally possibly having two of these families move to Utah this year. But what I was going to say, honey, is when you look at Noah and Christie's kids and watch them up close and personal, as we have done over the last few weeks, as they've lived with us, as they get ready to move into their house, you see the same things that we learned when we were their ages, namely that these little kids really need to learn joy. And that sounds a little pie in the sky, but, but joy in the sense of joy school. Many of you know about joy school and the whole idea that kids who are under five, who haven't started school yet, the greatest thing parents can do is just to underscore the joy that they are feeling in their, in their childhood. And we see this with those little kids, even the determined ones. And we see now that the, most of them are in, in the school, we see Noah and Christy shifting their focus to really work on them being more responsible. I guess implied in what we're saying is if you have it wrong on these ages, and we run into this all the time, we run into parents who are trying so hard to teach their three-year-old responsibility. And you know, frankly, responsibility is just a little beyond most two and three year olds. <laughs> and and you'll hear parents say, grow up, when are you going to grow up? And, and the little three year olds like, I, I don't know, maybe in a few years. <laughs> and so, you know, parents who try to teach things to kids before they're able to grasp it, end up just frustrating themselves. So again, joy first, then responsibility, then sensitivity. Well, and let me just say their older kids are all in elementary. And so they're, they don't have teenagers right now, but wow, those older too, especially their oldest son, McKay is so responsible. He, um, he's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> they, he tends for him a lot and we used to, uh, pay our kids to tan and so on. And he was so cute the other day, he was helping with the dishes. And he said, okay, maybe I'm going to start charging, you know, for babysitting when you go. I mean, I, I think I deserve a dollar an hour. And <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute. And maybe they do pay him. I don't know. But anyway, uh, he is so great and just goes off and reads a book. I mean, he's read, oh, how many you think? Ten books since he's been at our house. He just loves reading. Oh, he's a reader. But, you know, and then it just reminds me of the stages. He's speaking of goals at different stages. They, the kids go through different stages. Their biggest worry right now is he really, really is obsessed with hypnotizing. <laughs> I mean, go figure that. He wants to learn to hypnotize people. <laughs> well, oh, he, he has he thinks he has learned to hypnotize people. And um, his cousin showed it to him on YouTube. Now, you know, that is hilarious. But um, he, he, he's just obsessed with that right now. And I just think, you know, just remember, this is he's not going to be hypnotizing people when he's 16. <laughs> Don't worry Enjoy about it. Enjoy this phase. Um, Actually, that's a big thing, Linda. If parents, if we could all as parents and grandparents, learn to enjoy the phases kids are in 
Don't you think we spend a lot of time worrying about things which are just a phase? They're just going to go away. I mean, so many questions parents ask us when we're out speaking or working with them is, well, my kid's doing this. What do I do about it? And, and about nine-tenths of the time, the answer is, just wait. He's going through a phase. It's going to be fine. <laughs> but, but those phases sometimes drive you crazy. We had a whiner once. I remember when Shawnee was little, she was so whiny. She was <laughs> whining about everything. And then, just desserts, she got a child who was just the same. <laughs> I, oh, that's really what you always wish for. We're revealing secrets here now. <laughs> you always really. wish that they just get somebody just like them. But I remember my mother once, speaking of goals, it was driving her crazy too. And so she offered her $10 if she would not whine for one whole week. <laughs> Never had to pay we it. were staying with them at this time. No, no, she did. She, she did? did it. It worked. Yes, it worked. Ten bucks solved the problem. Yeah, but that was a long, a lot of years ago. You know, that was twenty, thirty years ago. So I don't know. You might have to offer a greater reward at this point. But, but um, not that the <laughs> next week she didn't go back to whining. But she did really accomplish that during the week. So by the way, that, you're you're things. really revealing secrets here on this show. Shawnee, who was our whiner, is is. Um, and a lot of you probably follow Shawnee's blog. She does a blog called 71toes.com, which has literally millions of followers. And uh, so we just we just revealed to you that the author of this wonderful mommy blog, 71toes.com, was a terrible whiner when she was <laughs> a little kid. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, if you want to see, maybe you probably don't, because we've been talking a lot about the reunion, about Grammy camps and so on. You want to see that up close and personal in full color? Go to seventy one toes dot com. Um, I am a blogger too, but I have not had time. I am working on a book right now that is due in sixty eight days, and you got it down to days now. Yes, and I'll we'll be gone fifty of those days. So anyway, um, it re I have not been had a chance to do that, but she does a fabulous job in this blog. So. I think we, we got to take a little break, honey, and when we come back, we'll continue with this discussion about having certain goals for kids of certain ages. Just something about having a focus where, what am I trying to do with this kid? Despite all the things that go on every day and all the things that are happening, I, I have a, this goal that I'm trying to do this with this child. That can really help in parenting, and we'll get a little more deeply into that and move into the same kind of thinking for grandparents right after this break. We'll be back on Irs on the Road. And we're back. We're talking today about goals for different goals for different stages of our kids and our, our grandchildren's lives. Sort of goals and roles. What is your role going to be with a child at certain ages, certain phases of that child's life? And to just, if you are just tuning in, just to review, we worked this out when we were trying to survive our little preschoolers. <laughs> Actually, a lot of years ago, we decided that preschoolers, what preschoolers need to learn is joy, how to enjoy life. And they actually teach us a lot about enjoying life, too. Um, the middle well, let me just say it's partly putting everything in that context. Like, instead of teaching them the responsibility of their body and taking care of the earth and you teach them the joy of the body and the earth instead of 
the responsibility of sharing with other kids, you teach them the joy of sharing with them. In other words, it puts it all in that context. But then, go ahead, as many, as they get to be Well, and just while we're there on joy, we should say that uh, this is joy school season. <clears throat> we developed this program along with Richard's mother and a lot of really talented artists and musicians many years ago, and it's still rolling along. That's a formal way to teach children joy and it sounds kind of funny because it's called joy school that's kind of a cheesy name we've always known that but, but we love the name people but, love the name joy school and if you go online by the way you've got to put an s on the end joy schools with an s dot com and did you know linda that that uh, august is the month more than half the people who joined joy school and started in their homes do it in august so I'm glad you thought of that to mention it because it happens to be August. It does, um, at least when we're recording this. But it really is uh, a wonderful program. And we, we don't advertise other than just mentioning it to people. And then it just something that works and goes like wildfire. It's something that parents can do in their home, mothers, and once in a while fathers too. So anyway, back uh, to your review, Joy for Preschoolers. And then um, we have... The middle-aged kids, we call them, um, and they're mostly elementary age, and that is the time to teach them responsibility. And um, we we really do feel that that is a great time to teach kids how to pick up after themselves, how to take responsibility for younger kids. Um, how to be conscientious in their schoolwork, yes. how to be self-starters, and how to be motivated. And, you know, we all work on that. And again, it's the timing of it all. It's about when kids are five and especially when they're six or seven, that they really get flattered by responsibility. And you can say things to them like, you know, you're old enough to do this now. And I think you can handle this now. And it's just a natural time. And then as they get to be closer to adolescence, they start having a problem. Almost every kid has this inwardness, this mirror problem, as we call it, where everything's about them. And in a way, that's the trickiest thing of all, don't you think, Linda, to teach them to be sensitive to others, to teach them to see others' needs, to teach them to be aware of the people around them. Well, absolutely. And in fact, uh, as I mentioned earlier, too, we have to grandchildren of all these ages and our teenage grandchildren are hilarious. Um, they are so, um, we've had a lot to do with them this summer, uh, because actually one, of, uh, one of our, our 17 year old, um, just had this car that he adored his, his father's car that he's passed down. His father got it as a graduation gift from college, uh, like, 25, 30 years ago. Oh, you're looking out ago. the window. I'm the looking car. at it. That's what it And me uh, think of it. he loved that car so much. And he loves cars and he loves fixing cars. And and last winter, darn it, he went through, it was really an icy, terrible winter where we were. And he went through an intersection that was just covered with ice. And he realized his brakes were not working. And he had a choice of hitting some kids that were there or a pole. So gratefully, he hit the pole and just wrapped around the pole. And um, now he has sold the car to us because <laughs> it's, it's irreparable. And we've taken the front door off and so that we can just run around at this little compound of bare legs with this door off. But every time he calls, he wants to know how the car is. How, how is the car? Well, what you don't know is that he took, 
got it all fixed up, and then he took his girlfriend, he has this darling girlfriend, brought her over here, and went off four-wheeling, and bashed into a big rock and smashed the radiator. So he uh, spent a lot of time thinking about his car and him and how he could fix it, and he did it. He bought a new radiator, um, he installed it himself, and got that crazy thing going again. But, you know, I think so much of his life is surrounded with him, <laughs> you know, what his life is like right now. He's a great kid and he's so helpful because he wanted to earn money to um, fix this car. <laughs> and so he's hung my blinds and he's done a whole lot of stuff this summer to earn that money. Anyway, teenagers are so interesting, but they are kind of wrapped up in their lives. And there's a lot of things you can do to help them to get out of their self-contained little paradigm and to really see what other people are doing. Now, Linda, before we get too much further into the show, let's shift a little to grandparents because they also need to focus on what kind of role do they want to play to their grandkids of different ages. And um, this is really a hot topic for us right now because I've just finished a book uh, to grandparents, I mean to grandfathers. Let, let's clarify that. We, our publisher wanted to have a book on grandparenting, and so we were going to write a book tentatively called Grand Parenting. And the further we got into thinking about it and writing it, the more we realized that grandfathers and grandmothers are two very different creatures, and they really needed different kinds of books, different kinds of thinking to be candid about it. Grandmas are a lot more, how can we say it, hands-on and sort of conscientious about their grandparenting than grandpas. Not always, but in many cases. And so we sort of split the task. And the reason I got my book on grandfathering done before you got yours done on grandmothering, Linda, is pretty simple. It Mine's a much smaller book. <laughs> I, I, the publisher said, you know, if you're going to write just to grandpas, you better keep it short. <laughs> they don't want to read some great big thick book. And uh, it, by the way, he also added, and they probably won't buy it, but there'll be a lot of grandmas who buy it and give it to their husbands. <laughs> and so I got mine done early and it's, it's actually being released next month, early next month. September 5th is the publication date and it's already available on Amazon. They must have got some uh, advanced copies, but it's called Being a Proactive Grandfather. And um, it's the one that sort of spells out these roles, at least for grandfathers that, you know, when you got a little kid, he's your, he's your grandson or your granddaughter, just be his buddy, just have fun with him. Don't worry about a lot of uh, teaching, just, just really enjoy <clears throat> that magical, <clears throat> excuse me, relationship between a grandpa and a grandchild. But then once they get to be five or six, be their champion. Boy, those kids, they need somebody who can do no wrong in your eyes. And, and that's, that's what you can be as a grandpa is that champion. What are your interests? How can I help you? I want to be there every time you do something. And Let you me, are awesome. You are awesome. You are my favorite. You want all your grandkids to think that they're your that, that uh, they are your favorite. Then when they get a little older, you that this is the tough one. You want to have such a trust level build up that those kids look at you as their consultant, their mentor. 
the one they can come to and say, Dad, grandfather, I'm worried about this, grandpa. I, I have a problem. I need your help on this. And they know they can trust you. They know that what they tell you is confidential. They know that they can lean on you for advice and for help and for helping them work their way through problems. But having said all that, Linda, this is actually much more exciting. Linda is now approaching in a very different way her book, which will be out when? Mother's Day? Mother's Day next year. Can you imagine I'm worried about a deadline right now for Mother's Day? That's what it takes to produce a book. But but your approach is a little more hands-on, a little more detailed, because we're talking about grandmas here, and nobody needs to motivate them. <laughs> no, they're wonderful. And uh, it's actually, it's just a nice way to get some family history down and some fun things that we've done with our kids through the years. And we're certainly not done, but we're up to 29 grandchildren now. Our oldest is 20 and the baby's nine months. So uh, we have some of every age and it's been such a fabulous experience. So it's been fun to write about it. Well, you better say more than that. People are hungry out there. Listeners are, are drooling with anticipation. What is, right, what is Linda sure. Iyer going to reveal to us about the science and the art of grandmothering? Well, um, and part of it is, you know, when you're a grandmother, you're getting older. Darn it, you're just getting older. you got to just admit it. You're getting older. And uh, I was just working on a chapter yesterday about getting older. I just have a new favorite book. It's called The Joys of Getting Older. And uh, it's hilarious. It's by, by Robert and Susan Cindy Senior. Senior and has <laughs> all of these things on the front and back endorsements. And, you know, this is your time to learn about um, the things that you really need to know for improving your life and the future and, and making it joyful and all that kind of stuff. And then you open it up and it's just all blank pages. <laughs> so, I, I think that's a pretty good joke. You could, Linda carries this book around with her and shares it with all our friends. <laughs> and some of them get so excited and then they open it and it's all blank. But well, but, but Linda, seriously, I mean, seriously, it is great to grow old. There are so many great things about getting older. And this happened actually one day. I, I discovered this at a book club meeting when I was with about a dozen of my dearest friends and. And uh, one of our friends had this on her coffee table and we thought it was so funny. But then we started saying, okay, wait a minute, let's go around the table and tell what we really do love about growing older. And we got a great list. Well, the main things. thing was grandkids. Well, of course. I mean, that's number one, you know, uh, really being able to relate with grandkids, seeing your progeny, seeing them grow up and develop and seeing the fruits of your labors. But um, you know, there are so many other things, too, that are so great about going older. I just wanted to give that little, uh, because you have to have goals for growing older, too, I think. And well, right. But but we only got a minute or a minute and a half left, Linda. What, what is, if you were going to give the essence of what, what grandmothering is all about and how to think about your grandkids as a grandmother, what, what is, what's, What's the bottom line? Here? Uh, of course, the bottom line is love. Just love them no matter what, unconditionally. And some of them are pretty annoying at certain ages, but they are so, they so respond to soaking in that love. And no matter what, you love them more than anything. You are good at that, I have to say. And um, I, I do have to say also how that 
we've talked about two or three things here um, during the show that we'll have on the, the the radio, BYU Radio will have on their website, and they do a great job on the website. So we'll put in, you know, the 71 Toes and the Grandfather Book and Joy School and how to uh, get connected with that, just in case you're interested. Well, and as we wrap up today, again, um, Linda, by the way, you really, you really undersold your book because you're going to have everything from recipes in there, how to feed a crowd. You're, this is going to be, compared to my book, this is going to look like it could eat my book. <laughs> it's going to be so much bigger than the grandfathering oh, well, book. It's a little bit in the future. We'll but about bottom line, whatever you are, a parent, a grandparent, anyone who cares about children, in addition to trying to correct them and help them and solve their problems, have a goal for each age. What are you going to be to them during that age? What is your objective in terms of what you want to help them with during the phase of life they're in right now? Don't think of all your grandkids together in one big lump. Think of them according to what age they are and what age you can, what you can do for them now. And, and be a parent who loves your children in ways that are new and that you keep on discovering. So we wish you the very best with that big, uh, huge um, challenge this week. And we'll see you again next time on Fires on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>